Okay, today I'm chatting with Beth Kerr. Beth is the Group Wellbeing Director at Cognita, a global schools group with more than 80 schools to its name. Beth is an experienced media commentator on young people's well-being, and she looks after the well-being program at Cognita. We talk about what that program involves, how student well-being encompasses many different areas, where technology can be good and be bad, and we touch on the pandemic and how that has changed things. Here's my conversation with Beth Kerr. Hey, Beth, good morning. Welcome to the Task Podcast. How are you doing? Hi, it's lovely to be here, Matt. Very well, thank you. Good. I've been looking forward to it. We had, um, we've had a couple of efforts, so hopefully we, we've, I know we've had a few Wi-Fi problems. Hopefully we, we, we get everything down today. I think I'm sure we will. So, um, I'm third time lucky. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm chatting to you out of Thailand. Where are you, just for the audience, so where are you, where are you based today? Yes, yeah, so I'm based in London, uh, working from home. Um, things not not too great in the UK at the moment, but um, the vaccination program is, is is rolling out well. So you know, we're hoping for for better times ahead soon. Yeah, let's hope so. It's um, it's hard to believe it's been a year because it has now. So um, yeah. uh, look before I jump into the questions, I will have done a, a short intro. Uh, but it'd be great to get a, a bit bit more of a wider perspective and an introduction to your your background and uh, what you do with Cognita uh, for the audience, just to kind of set up the the podcast and chat. Sure, sure. Um, well, I'm I'm a I'm a teacher by by trade and and, and you know I'm a heart really. Um, and I've worked for twenty years in the state and independent sector. Um, I've, I've taught from all the way down from you know the little ones five years old up to uh, secondary, although I'm, I'm more secondary trained, I have to say, I find that a little bit uh, easier than the, the very mm. little ones. Um, and I'm an inspector for the uh, Independent Schools Inspectorate, and I joined Cognita uh, almost a couple of years ago now, um, and, and had the sort of, the, the privilege really of, of leading well-being um, you know, in, in a sort of very diverse global group of schools, uh, over 80 schools in 10 different countries, and, and the schools are all very um, diverse, you know, they serve their local population, um, and so it's not a sort of franchise model, which makes it super interesting, um, and you might think that actually that would be very challenging to, to sort of get some unity um, and, and a sort of unified approach on, on anything, but actually on well-being, it is amazing how in sync and you know joined up all the thinking is in, in with all all my colleagues um, across the world. So it has been an exciting couple of years. Um, I'm really looking forward to sort of you know moving things on even even more. Yeah, I would I would have imagined it would have been more 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 tricky, definitely because you guys um, you know eighty plus schools across. So you've got you know not just different time zones but uh, different cultural. Uh, expectations, different languages. So there's a there's a, a real mixture in there in terms of dealing with with well-being on a on a. I mean, you'd say global, right? You 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 guys are yeah, all sorts. Of yeah, we've we've got schools in um, Latin America and Brazil and Chile, and um, we have schools in in Asia, many parts of uh, Thailand, um, Singapore, Hong Kong, Vietnam. I've forgotten anyone. India, um, and then Europe in Spain, Switzerland, um, and the UK. Um, and so it's a really broad you know, span of schools, which makes it really interesting. But, but the, the best bit about it is that we can all learn so many um, different things from each other that strengthen our approach. You know, when you have a core purpose that everybody is on board with, then 
you can certainly add to it and enrich it by learning from each other. And, and you know, we certainly, we learned that last year that the hardware, I suppose, in, in, in COVID times, because Asia uh, went into lockdown before um, Europe and Latin America, um, and straight away they were sort of, you know, helping us, telling us that these things are really good for, you know, the students' well-being. This is helping for teachers. These are some of the strains that we're finding now. So it really helped uh, when when it when it came to our turn, you know, to to sort of be proactive. Um, and and so that that was just one example of how when you you know work together, you can you can you know uh, get better well-being outcomes for for all. Yeah, for sure. I was as a as a lead up to this podcast. Actually, I was doing a bit of research, and I ended up on a uh, a podcast on on the Cognita website, which I think was from May last year. Uh, yourself and another couple of people um, talking about. Obviously, May was what we were kind of two months into kind of lockdown. Yeah. I think from memory. So it was interesting listening to that, and everything was kind of new. And you, you know, what have you seen? now it's 12 months in you know what, what has changed if anything I mean the approaches the um you know how you're kind of dealing with you, your role is well-being anyway but this uh pandemic situation has obviously thrown something else into the mix that maybe you know you guys weren't expecting what's changed in and what have you learned since that kind of May call last year and how you're approaching things well I think We'd sort of started on, on the sort of real well-being journey. Look, I think, you know, for the last 10, 5, 10 years, certainly there's been a shift in education and educators are the people leading the charge for well-being in, in schools. So we were on that journey very much anyway. So when the pandemic began and lockdown in different countries, um, you know, was, was sort of uh, emerging, we really started with the well-being first. So yes of course it's important that you get your devices and all those sorts of things up and running and, and but but we very much took a point of view of like let's make sure first of all that these things that we know are so important for our well-being we're emphasizing those to the children immediately because otherwise the messaging is really mixed if you sort of crack on in you know, the timetable and period two maths and this is the first and then you say oh actually when are you sleeping and when are you uh, switching the, the device off at night and you know when you get new exercise then even though you're, you're talking about it, the message to the students and to the parents is, well, actually, it's not that important. And we know that that's counterproductive because I think sometimes well-being and learning are sort of pitched against each other, like some sort of, you know, choice. You know, you could either have one or the other. And, and you know, we very much dispute that and feel that actually, you know, there's a symbiotic relationship between the two. You cannot learn if you're not well. And when you learn, that's really good for your well-being. So, you know, it's, it's really counterproductive to, to pitch them in that way and better to start with a sort of holistic approach. So therefore, in terms of what has changed, um, the, the, the well-being focus has remained the same. We, we've not changed on that point of view. We feel that, you know, it's just become increasingly more likely, you know, you may um, adapt some, some sort of things that you're doing, um, different schools because all our contexts are different little tweaks that you're making would would, would you know would be different in different um you know cities and um countries across the world and depending uh, you know what sort of uh, environment the children are learning in are they learning in a flat are they allowed to go out for a walk in the day are they not so all those sorts of things were different but the things that we talk about for well-being and, and perhaps it would be useful if i just outlined what well-being 
is what I'm talking about it, how we understand it, because of course it, it can sometimes be, you know, one of these sort of concepts that you could spend three hours talking about and then at the end of the, the call you think of what exactly do they mean by that? Um, and so when we were talking about well-being, we defined it um, you know, as a sense of, of feeling content and flourishing academically, socially, emotionally. Um, and that's great, that's that's your definition. So that's a start, and everybody understood that and and um you know could relate to that but the, the the most important thing i suppose is how do you what things contribute to that so we talk a lot about our contributors and we divided them for simplicity to some degree into things that contribute to physical health and mental health although of course there is there's a huge crossover that you know they're not sort of isolated pillars so we talk about sleep diet exercise connecting doing giving and when we when we were designing our curriculums and our, our programs in in lockdown, we start with those. You know, the sleep diet exercise. Where are we put those? Where's the connections? Where's the doing? That the, the fulfilling thing, the sort of active, passionate play, those sorts of things. And how is the giving different? And of course, it's hugely the connections are different. The way you can give is different. The way you give to yourself is different. But it was really helpful for us to have that framework that we could then build you know everything around and it's also helpful when you're talking to parents and you're talking to students so the communication the language that common language um really helps you know embed an understanding so you're all on the same page trying to get to the the same you know uh, goal which is ultimately better physical and mental health for our, for our students and, and staff and that's the the stuff you touched on there is you is your well-being charter right that's what you, yeah. you guys call it yeah. as a a kind of framework yes. across and that is something you're 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 looking at across the whole group so you kind of standardize the approach as much as you can or does it does it still change based on no yeah. It, it yeah that's exactly right because when I, when I started one of the first things um wasn't so much the language although I am learning Spanish and haven't quite got to Portuguese yet but it wasn't so much that 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 language that we're talking about it was how can you go and work with people in different schools and and you, you know you, you you have a precious hour with teachers time which is you know really you know that they, they haven't got a lot of time so you don't want to waste the first half hour sort of explaining what you mean by well-being whereas when we um came up with the charter and you know i didn't fuck it out of thin air it came from research and evidence um, and looking at, at the really compelling science behind the role that these things um play uh, in in people's lives uh, and then once we had that, it became so much easier. So when I went, I went to Asia. Oh gosh, it seems a lifetime ago, about about eighteen months ago. Um, and it was, you know, then you're having conversations with students, you're having conversations with the staff. You're looking at all the things that schools do so brilliantly to to contribute to these things. Um, it helps then when you certainly when I was um, a pastoral deputy, um, I, I I didn't really, if I'm honest. Um, spend a lot of time asking children how well they slept um yeah. and when when i started at cognitum we did uh, we had we were lucky enough to i was lucky enough to interview professor matthew walker and obviously before the interview i read up and read his book several times you know you really sort of and i thought oh my goodness me how have i been in for 20 years that i'd ask students who are struggling you know how are your friends is it work stress is how are things at home and actually maybe sleep would be number four or number five question that would ask and when you really appreciate the evidence about how you know intrinsically linked it is is the bedrock of, of everything that we do in terms of our health you know that was really staggering so 
it was it was useful for schools then to think oh, actually that these are the six pillars where we do really well we lose loads of sports opportunities there's lots of clubs but maybe this is an element that we could do a little bit more on or you know so it gives some sort of framework for conversation and um development um, in terms of well-being because we can always you know we can always do more or different it's not about adding more and more and more onto teachers it's about maybe identifying well maybe this actually doesn't really contribute much to well-being and instead we could we could do this so you know it's about just having a framework and a structure that enables conversation and also enables collaboration between colleagues across the world because that's one of the really exciting things you've got these staff in schools who are so passionate and they want to you know speak to other colleagues that are passionate and there's something really exciting about speaking to somebody in a, in a culture and a context so different to your own and realizing that you have this joined passion you know it's it's really lovely to see so that it has been important for us it's there's a couple of things you touched on there which, which i want to just unpack but it, so yeah it's really interesting we talk about sleep you know i think there's so much um i mean everyone everyone knows sleep's important but I, but certainly in more recent times the evidence around how important i think has changed and there's been uh -huh. a number of books come out but it's interesting when you when you when you talk about it then because the everything is interconnected so i, I would imagine if i mean this isn't just students but adults anyone dealing with with levels of stress may not sleep so you need the the, the sleep to be less stressed but you also need less of the stress to make sure you sleep properly I mean is this part of the when you look at it do you look at the whole thing holistically because certainly if I look back at my time at school you know remembering the kind of exam stress and stuff like that that would lead to lack of sleep I mean it's all connected right yeah it is all connected but but I think the first step is really understanding and and believing the evidence because I think well, I certainly was a bit guilty before I went on this sleep journey that yeah of course I get it sleep's important you know nobody would dispute that sleep would you know have an impact on your stress level but you still wouldn't do anything about it um, but then when the more you read the evidence and I think this is a conversation you have with students and young people as well because um, they push back sometimes when they don't understand the why or, or they, they, they think that you know um, teachers parents are just nagging um, but actually when you talk to them about exam stress for example and um they think oh, I've got, i can't i can't possibly go to sleep i've got so much to do i just have to do this but when you teach them that actually sleep prepares our brain and we know that lack of sleep leads to a 40 percent deficit in our ability to make memories which is quite important if you're trying to study um, it saves information so when we sleep we transfer information from a short-term memory to that long-term memory, sort of hitting the, the save button. Um, and it strengthens our memories. So it interconnects new memories together and then exists with pre-existing memories. So you get this updated associative network of memories that help with problem solving, you know, the sort of creative thing that you also need in exams. So, so it's not about choosing, you know, to, to, to carry on working and increasing stress. So we know it helps with preparation and, and uh, learning for exams. We also know that it causes anxiety. There was a recent study that Matthew Walker did, um, I think it was just last year, and, and it wasn't about a, a sort of um, a relationship between anxiety and sleep. It was a causal, you know, causal relationship. So then when you really know that, it helps you, it, it sort of empowers you and really gives you the strength to think, okay, now, I, now I'm ready to listen to what sort of things I can do to help myself sleep better. And then you can get into the, um, the advice you can give about you know, the temperature of the room and the sleep routine and the time you go to sleep. 
And what I liked about that was that as a teacher, those things are not clinical bits of advice you're giving. You're not giving, um, you know, advice about sort of serious mental health conditions and what you should or shouldn't do. You're giving information about simple things that you can do to make your sleep better. And mm -hmm. I think that is is um, really powerful. But but they're not ready to listen to that until they really believe that it's going to help their um, ability to learn and, and get out of, of life whatever they you know whatever they want at the time. Yeah, very interesting. And that's maybe a good segue. I wanted to ask you about technology as well. There's this kind of paradox with technology that, um, you know, technology is everywhere now and, and you know, in schools and in everyday life. Um, so it, it can cause problems. And, you know, there's, there's no secret about that in terms of how much tech we are kind of bombarded with. At the same time, it can be a real aid because, you know, there are different resources online, you know, access to to, to different areas do you what well, is there I know you have it in the well-being charter from memory looking at it it's you know is there kind of standard guidance how do you, you know how as a as a kind of expert in well-being looking at student well-being and you know how where does technology fit is there guidance or does it depend um yeah just wanted to kind of explore um, that yeah it, it certainly isn't something that you can just uh sleepwalk into thinking it'll be okay I think that would be my, my biggest point um the, the key, when we talk about technology, there's been this obsession with a number. How long, you know, I used to get in my, my, my old school, Mrs. Kerr, how long can little Johnny be, just tell me a number and I can control, I can do that. And unfortunately that is not possible. And, and it's been, you know, even more so in this time because it's all about context. What is the child doing online? If they're speaking to grandma, if they're creating some, wicked website because they want to be an interior designer if they, you know there are so many amazing things that it can can do so if you're creating content on it you're engaging in it you're active on it you know even things like gaming if they're actively playing with their friends for a period of time there is a benefit to that if you're you know sort of doom scrolling and mindlessly you know wasting time and it is drawing you in that's not as good so the time thing is different so it's it's context the we look more at back to the well-being and starting with the well-being put those contributors in first put your sleep in you know however many hours of sleep depending on how old your child is um you know get your exercise in we know how you know they're meant to be having at least an hour um hopefully more um your diet when are you connecting with other people and how when are you connecting with yourself because i think one of the concerns about screen time is that it has robbed us a bit of our solidarity with ourselves um, probably why mindfulness has made you know such an impact on the world you know uh, and when you're doing something that you just are doing learning for learning's sake or loving for, for loving's sake um, start with those so it doesn't become this battle all the time with with students you know in adolescents they don't want to hear you starting off by saying right well you're only having this and you can't have that and start off by saying well look we've talked about sleep we've got the evidence so in terms of principles i've talked a lot about evidence and we lead with that so when you have these conversations with staff or colleagues with students with parents you say well start with the evidence this is why we're doing this is why we keep you know going on about these six contributors okay kids generally accept evidence they can see that the that you know that they they not always but you know they say all right fine I, I get that I need to sleep and you, you explained why to me and I'm I'm, I'm in for that because I actually also want those things so you put those things in first almost by default then you will be cutting down the amount of time that they're able to um you know sort of uh, just mindlessly 
you know, scroll and so on. The second thing is about having um, understanding before you have these conversations with, with students about context. And then thirdly, that you make an intentional plan. So you don't just allow it to, even in the same way, if you were at the beach, you, you wouldn't just say to your child, yeah, yeah, go for it, go into the sea, it's fine. You know, you'd be saying, well, make sure you don't go too far out. Make sure you, if you can't swim, you've got your, you know, your armbands on, make sure you don't go on your own. Um, if, if it gets cold, if there are shark flags out, don't go there. there. There's lots of considerations and it's the same with, with um, you know, technology. You just have to have the conversation. There's not a short, easy answer. It's not two hours and that's fine. It's not three hours, it's fine. It's, not, it's, it's you've got to sit down, understanding the context as an adult um, and ready to, to, to discuss the sort of nuances and have an agreement and then stick to the agreement. It'll change as the child gets older, but it's more sort of principles, principles to, to consider rather than, um, you know, getting bogged down in the, the sort of, um, yeah, the devil in the detail. We would say we would guide people that common sense media is a really good resource that we point lots of our parents to so if you want the you know the sort of detail about TikTok or snapchat or you know that's a really good tool for parents to sort of have in their armory and for them themselves to to you know keep their eyes on um but the bit about sleepwalking is a really interesting quote actually by um I think it was Keith Humphreys, he was a professor of psychology at Stanford University and he used to be a former senior advisor to President Barack, so I, I think, um, Barack Obama, I should, I should say. Um, so I think he, he probably is, is quite a sensible man. And he said that, that there'll be a period of epic withdrawal after the COVID effect he was talking about. Um, and he, you know, he was saying that requiring young people to sustain attention in a normal interactions without getting a reward hit every few seconds is going to take some some time so that's why I keep sort of saying don't, don't just sleepwalk into it because it does have the ability to suck people in and I'm talking you know adults I'm sure you you yeah. um yeah. caught yourself being sucked away and um, so it's about that intentional decision making around screen time for you, for your families well yeah I mean it's very interesting actually I don't I don't have kids so I, I can't necessarily relate to what you know many people have dealt with with having their kids uh, remote learning but just I look just look at my own situation and you know as a business we worked remotely anyway however I still traveled a bit had face-to-face -face meetings it's quite incredible when I look back on the last 12 months just the additional screen time the kind of new learning mm -hmm. of 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 collaboration via technology and I just imagine it must be it, you know what are you saying just in terms of that I mean this is I suppose it all links into well-being but kids have had to kind of I assume kind of adopt new ways of learning right not not in every yeah. country but most yeah. of the places there's just been this whole new way of consuming um, lesson content and learning are you, are yeah. you do you get involved in that is that something you kind of have to mentor the process with and make sure it's working well, yeah and... we, we because we because we look at learning and well-being as this holistic um you know concept if you like um yes we, we've in our development you know of the sort of framework we, we have worked together um but all, all our schools you know doing they, they approach it in a similar way um so when we're looking at the structure of lessons and and you have to accept that's why context is really important you can you know if you if you said okay well 
um, my child should only have whatever an hour an hour a day you can't say well you've used your hour because you've been on screen all day with with schoolwork you know that, that's had to shift and that's that's why context is so important but in structuring the lessons um teachers are looking at uh, is it the best use of time to um you know have them staring at me for an hour or might it be better to do 20 minutes then we're going to put little brain breaks in where they get up and move because we know and you know the, the impact that has on uh, blood flow to the brain and so on and um, is it that knowing that the children are you know occasionally don't listen might we have to use technology to check they're not on it so we we, we put timers on um, the, the task so you're saying right at eight o'clock this task is going to shut out and anything you write after that won't be counted so you have to really train the, the students also to not allow um, the work that you're setting to just to eat in to you know time later and later in the evening for example so it certainly has been a fundamental part of teachers thinking the way they structure lessons the way they have their conversations but then you can use technology in a great way to do check-ins okay, it's not as, as nice as seeing children face-to-face, -face, but it's been a really important feature because you've missed out as teachers on those natural opportunities to pick up on, you know, little, little cues that you see, the, the way they look, the, the way they, might, they, they may, um, you know, the, the body language, all those sorts of things. Mm. And so you might not pick it up on, on a Zoom exactly, but at least in, in a sort of face-to-face -face Teams little call, you might pick up a little bit more. So we've been using those to have little check-ins beginning at the end of the day. Um, and it, ultimately we're built on relationships. So we have to use technology to strengthen that relationship during this time so that students don't feel on their own and isolated um, and that the staff also you know, you know, feel connected the best way we can. It's not as good as face-to-face -face contact, but it's better than no contact at all. And so you know, we, we've used it, I hope, to our benefit as well. Yeah, as you were talking there, I was, I've got a few friends that are school teachers, but the, the age of the, the kids you're teaching really has a bearing as well. I've got one friend who teaches young kids and mm -hmm. much more challenging on a, you know, on a big group Zoom call versus I think the older kids, um, you know, just depends. So there's lots of different kind of mechanics within. Yeah, um, and those check-ins I think have to be done on small, in smaller groups, you know, especially with little mm -hmm. ones because they just get distracted and, and you, you lose the purpose of what you're trying to achieve. Yeah. Hey, look, I had, there was one other question I had, I think you kind of covered it really, tips and tricks. You kind of went into that, but maybe another question I was just sharing good resources because you mentioned a few names there. Um, you know, in terms of, of parents or just just uh, school teachers who are maybe not quite as, uh, or their organisations maybe aren't as focused as Cognisra right now. You know, are there are there good resources out there? Books you'd recommend? Um, you mentioned a couple of names there. Yeah, anything you can kind of recommend for for anyone you know on the audience who might be a school teacher interested in you know wanting to learn more about this area in terms of the, the kids they teach. Yeah, I think one of the things with with um, teachers, well, one of the things I found that was so useful was, um, and it's missing in, certainly in, in <laughs> teachers my age and above, there has never been much of a study of the neuroscience of, of the adolescent brain, and adolescence goes from you know, sort of 10 upwards, um, and I think that is a real failing in teacher training, because it's such a fundamental you know, sort of light bulb, if you like, moment when you, you understand what's going on in their brains and you understand 
why their behavior might be a certain way. Um, and that is, is really helpful because ultimately, if your relationship with your child, your student, your partner is better, um, then the learning will be better, your, you know, your, your progress will be better. So I think some of the um, resources, if you're just trying to, to understand students better and therefore their well-being, um, there's, there's some really good books um, and, and good people to, to follow that talk about um, neuroscience and mind. I've, I've, this is a, a book called, the, I'll have to give you the, the details after, but Bettina Hon from UCL has just written a, a really easy, accessible book about the teenage brain and the impact on behavior that that was a bit of sort of light bulb moment you know if you're a parent you think ah that's why they're behaving and perhaps if I stopped doing this it would stop triggering that response um and, and therefore it, it facilitates those conversations about well-being it might be that you know you, you get into a big argument every night um and you know, you're unable to you know, talk to the, your child or your student or the students about the benefits of sleep but actually if you look at what happened before then that starts giving you some clues so i've really enjoyed um looking at those sorts of things in terms of well-being resources you know all all our resources are are you know are free to anybody who wants them I, I really feel strongly and we all do that well-being is not the preserve of you know students who go to an independent school it should be something that we all as educators share generously and I, that has certainly been my experience from any educator in any um, walk of life that I've come across um, and but I guess as part of a schools group you, you have a benefit that you can you know collect resources and we've done things like uh, parent resources that hopefully would save schools having to to send them out just a, you know a couple of pages on screen time and social media or, or sleep or um, you know, exercise things that can can help. Um, so if, if anybody wants to, to download those, please do. There are resources there for educators um, and parents. And there are also some lists of, of other organizations. I mentioned Common Sense Media because from screen time and social um, screen time and social media, I don't think there is any, well, I haven't come across, I should say, uh, a more comprehensive and up-to-date um, uh, you know, website. Um, they're also, you know, I think Twitter is a really interesting place to follow um, scientists about well-being, um, and I think if you if you if you choose to people carefully um, and follow them, they they invariably talk about really interesting um, conversations that that uh, are are supporting the direction that educators are going in because I think educators are having these conversations in themselves. Um, so I, I can I can give you a, a list later on, perhaps that you can you can share. Yeah, what I'll do is that's great. Well, I will um, put some notes in the with the, the 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 notes to the podcast when I post it. So anyone who's listening now, I will list down within the notes to this podcast those uh, those various books and resources. So if people want to access mm -hmm. them, they can. And if I suppose as a, a last question and a segue, if people want to find out about yourself more, are you on social media or you you, you stay just within I, the kind um, of school? Made? Okay, where 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 would yeah where, if no, people well, want to follow you, where would they go? Yes, I'm on Twitter um, as Bethka Wellbeing, um, and I'll and on Cognita um, at Cognita Schools. They can follow me, um, and I try to signpost and, and uh, sort of celebrate good things that I get shared um, and things that might be helpful in your conversations as a as a teacher and as a um, you know as a as a parent as a student, whatever your identity is. I think that. One of the things I would like to say to, to about teachers is that 
also your well-being is important too. It's 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 not just about students, um, and it's really counterproductive if we just focus on students' well-being at the expense of our own. And I know that that's not an easy thing to do, um, but well-being is something that we can influence. But we've got it's you know you've got to really reframe the way you think about it and you know almost you think about it like cleaning your teeth it doesn't matter how busy you are how you know hectic your life is you still always clean your teeth um and if you listen to your own advice and teachers are really good at this if you listen to them talking to students they'll be saying it's really important that you sleep and it's important that you do make time for yourself and and then they don't take any attention of that themselves so i do think if you're the best version of yourself that's better for everyone around you so really reframe that way that you you think about yourself as well cool great great advice to end so yeah look really appreciate you taking the time to chat and share um uh, you know some of that advice and and those links which i will will leave in the podcast so um i hope everything works out there sooner and the 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 lockdown kind of comes to an end sooner than we you know as soon as possible yeah get back into the physical office so but um yeah, yeah. All, all the best yeah no thank you and all the best to all our our teachers and students out there um i really do wish you the, the very best of health sure all right beth take care and Thanks, speak again take care bye 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 this is a podcast from task task helps you create and measure impact for more information please visit task.io